Welcome to Tawana Talks, where I give my reflections on simple life experiences that lend themselves to life lessons. Okay, so I am here with the lovely Jamira Ortiz. And um, Jamira and I have met each other about almost two years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are in an e-group together, which is a ladies group that is uh, kind of like a Bible study group that we have weekly, but we it's now flourished into a sisterhood. It is. And yeah. so we, um, we kind of do life together, and so we really enjoy this space of doing life. But um, talking more about Jamira's awesomeness, um, she is a mother of a beautiful, what is Erin, three? Three. Three now. Um, she's a wife, and she also runs a nonprofit organization called Rooted Hearts Ministry. And so I do want to take a moment before we dive into some talking for Jamira to talk a little bit about Rooted Hearts, but I also want to just re-reflect that the purpose of these podcasts are to be able to take daily life experiences and daily life things that happen and reflect it on what's the meaning behind it and kind of digging deeper. I think it's important that we take a moment to set back and say just the smallest things um, have some intentionality for our lives. Um, and again, these are just for the one. Sometimes the just one is just me. And so if no one listens to this and I hear it, I know that it's purposeful. And so for those of you who are listening, you may be just one. So I appreciate that. But Jamari, tell us a little bit about um, Rooted Hearts Ministry. And then we will just go into our regular conversations like we normally do. I will. But my ADHD is kicking in. Okay. So <laughs> this is real time. So I need to adjust myself. And I might do that a couple of times. So just... Don't You're be distracted. Fine. Okay. Um, so, Rooted Hearts Ministries. We are a 501c3 nonprofit. We're based out of Charlotte, North Carolina, but we serve families throughout the United States and Canada and Puerto Rico and God knows where else is going to have us. Um, and our main hope, purpose is to serve families who have children that are on the autism spectrum and that are awaiting the start of services. Um, the reason why that's a very specific uh, population that we serve is because um, it's very personal for us. My son was diagnosed with autism at 21 months and we realized very quickly that the wait list for services that are deemed medically necessary, speech therapy, occupational therapy, ABA, things like that, the wait lists were like 12 months long at some point. Wow. And this wasn't a unique situation to us. So um, at the same time when um, we were going through this journey, starting this journey. I had lost my job and my career, and um, I started to kind of dig deep and like, this isn't unique to us, what can we do? Um, and so I really feel like the Lord impressed in me to create a toolbox that we can send to families while they were in the waiting um, to provide them with tools on things that they can be doing in the meantime. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit about what we do. There's so much more to it, but yeah, yeah. that's the that's the gist of it. Yeah. Tell us about Jamira. Okay. It's you're, 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 you're so weird. Like, you I, know, about yourself. I know, I know, because you're, you're a mom and you're a fabulous mom. I mean, Thank you. as moms, we... we you know, want the best for our children, and that means mentally, spiritually, physically, all of the things. And so, um, it's powerful that you have a nonprofit that speaks to that. It's not for another reason. And most nonprofits have some sort of 
personal goal for it, but yours is even more personal because you live it every day. Yeah. Um, and then you're a wife and you and your husband do phenomenally together partnership um, in parenting um, and partnering and then in building this nonprofit for not just Aaron, but all of the other children um, like Aaron. But who's Jemira? Jemira is, first of all, uh, a daughter of the Most High King. I, I am unapologetically uh, all about Jesus. Um, it wasn't always that way. Um, but when I gave my life to Christ, gosh, eight years ago, seven years, going on eight years now, um, everything changed for me. Mm -hmm. So um, that's part of me. I'm a wife, as you mentioned. Um, my husband and I have been together now for seven years, married. Oh, going on seven, going on five years married. Mm -hmm. um, and we're just, um, I think the, the greatest part about us is that we're partners. Um, and I say that because I think it's important to understand, mm -hmm. like, yes, you want to have the butterflies and all that, but what happens when you go through a pandemic? Right, that part. <laughs> That you know, the butterflies aren't going to, you know, keep going when you're <laughs> in literally each other's faces. Because they got flying in the house. <laughs> 18 months. No, no. You know, so, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm a wife. I'm a mom, as you mentioned, to my incredibly smart, smart. Uh, witty, uh, curious three-year-old. He makes our our worlds turn round and round. He's um I feel blessed to be his mom, honestly. Yeah. I, I thank God that he chose me to be his earthly parent. Um and I'm a I'm a serial entrepreneur. I think I've done <laughs> ever since I was a little girl, um I did the tea parties and I played sports and I did a little bit of everything. Uh but I used to love to be able to make things or sell things. So that I can buy things to the people that I love. Aww. Yeah. So like, you know those Scholastic book fairs? Oh, yeah. They I don't do that anymore. Like, that was so... To be able to bring that little newspaper-like thing home, and you had that one little strip that you had to mark off, and I don't care if it was just one thing. Like, my mom, you know, we were poor, so she was like, you can get something for 99 cents. Yes. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. And, you get, oh, and then yeah. if you got and if you got something you got the, the free thing with yeah. it or you got the little um, little eraser bookmark uh, okay. babysitters club yes. series yes. The monthly and the, the best part though is when that box came to the classroom and you knew that it was like Amazon <laughs> that was like the, the olden day Amazon oh my yes. god yes, yes 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 so what I would do um because so we had that the monthly uh paper thing but then I think once or twice a year they would come to our library and the yeah, library yeah. would transform into and a store. and all that. Yes. Oh my so God. So I would buy everything that was on clearance. <laughs> so anything that was marked down for, and I'm talking about, I was like in first, second grade. Wow. Um, and, and nobody put me up to this. <laughs> I was just like, okay, if I buy the thing that's 50% off and I sell it for oh what the price Oh my God. <laughs> restaurant we grew up in new york city so it wasn't like a puerto rican working in a chinese restaurant we all yeah 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 we all sold together 
Um, and so I would set up shop on <laughs> the little, like on the side. The little bodega. I did. I did inside the restaurant. And I used to make my own little with construction paper, my own like prices. Price set. Yeah. Oh my god, that is funny. And people would come in, they would see this cute little chubby girl, and I'm like, what, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm selling books. Would you like to buy? And I was selling a full price, girl. Yep. Oh my god. And then but then I knew nothing about saving. I had a little piggy bank, but yeah, yeah. I just my heart was always to give back, to give to people, like literally since I was little. So I would go to a little discount store and buy my mom. Some little fake roses mm-hmm. or like clip-on earrings. I was always buying stuff for my mom. That is crazy. So, yeah. So I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've done anything from I'm a, a licensed holistic health coach. Okay. I'm uh, once upon a time I was a licensed Zumba instructor, so I had my own Zumba um, teaching business going. I um, have done, I started with Rooted Hearts LLC, and that was a program for emotional and spiritual growth for women. Okay. Um, and that was birthed during the pandemic mm-hmm. as well. Um, so I've done a little bit of everything. And then, you know, of course, uh, current day where we have the nonprofit. Um, I am an author. I have published a few articles in different magazines and um, I have my own journal plug on Amazon. No, yes, when you (laughs) the links for the article as well as the book will be in the um, description. If you're watching, look in the description for that and if you're listening, it'll be in the description. Um, So please go ahead and support that. Read that. I am, yeah, I'm a a sister. I have three amazing brothers. I'm the princess. (laughs) I'm also recently a DD and auntie mm-hmm. um, to two beautiful little girls, uh, one on the way, one who's already here. Yeah. And uh, and I mean, I also have a bunch of other nieces and nephews that, of my cousins' kids yeah, yeah. that call me DD and I love them. Um, and I know I just I love people. Yeah. Like sometimes to a fault, <laughs> but I just love people and I love to be able. Um, like I have an advocate's heart. I don't know if you've ever done like the uh, Myers Briggs mm-hmm. or anything. So I'm the advocate. Mm-hmm. I'm the ENFJ. Yeah. Uh, that's my my profile. Um, I'm. I just have this strong uh, sense of when there's an injustice. Um, like we all have tools. We can do something. What can we do? Um, and that's really part of where Rooted Hearts came from. Was God. I know. This can't just be it. Like, mm-hmm. I can't just accept that this is it. What can I do with what I have? Right. Um, and then, yeah, that's where the sensory boxes came from and everything else, basically. That's good. I want to I wanna talk about, like, the what can I do part. But before I do that, I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that um, this will... this. If you're listening to this it, in the time that it was um, launched or presented out, it's fall. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and so I, I think the most important question is, are you a pumpkin spice person? I'm not. Okay, okay, hold on. So... Well, we got our fall on. I got my sweater on. <laughs> I do have my fall colors. Fall color on. Um, yes and no. So I will do like apple cider. Well, that's not pumpkin. But I'll do... You do the fall. The fall stuff, yes. Like the donuts, the pumpkin donuts. I don't drink coffee anymore. That's a whole other story, but... Well, but shout outs to um, Help for drinking coffee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you need to pull her in or pull me out, but whatever. 
<laughs> no, I am. Um, yeah, the oven's for medical and spiritual reasons yeah. that I don't do that. But that's okay. Um, I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try pumpkin. Like, I've done, like, pumpkin banana bread. and Ew. It was actually <laughs> good. No, it was actually good. I, I, I just don't think, I don't like bananas with anything except itself. Because I think banana is the fruit bully. Because whenever, <laughs> like, bully. seriously, okay, say more. like, whenever you put banana next to something, it overpowers yeah. everything. So I, do I don't do strawberry banana, I don't do banana, but, just banana, because then it takes over. I'm like, God, but, so the pumpkin, the pumpkin spice, so if you add the nutmeg and the cinnamon, like. You talking about, like, me cooking it or, like, when no, I No, no, in general. <laughs> you know what it's, that a, like. it's a balance. So, you gotta try it. It's good. I don't know. I like so, it. do you? Would you do your fall flavors? This is the real question. Uh-huh. Do, when do you start your fall flavors? October or do you start it in September? When it's available, I'll I'll, I'll have a pumpkin donut in April. <laughs> I, I mean, because like they were they were advertising fall like September, and it was still ninety nine degrees outside. Yeah, I'm like, huh? Oh, are you serious? And I yeah. told somebody, I'm like. I, I'm a fall baby. My birthday's in September. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, well, yeah, they didn't know that. Yeah, September 24th. Oh my gosh. Okay, I the so they're like, people are like, well, then you should be calling to fall. Like, soon as September hits, you should be in the fall. I'm like, no. It's October 1st is when you start getting fall stuff. So, okay. Like, flavor wise, I don't discriminate. <laughs> <laughs> like, but I, I was, I'm more of like a salted caramel person. Oh, so like yeah. when I was drinking coffee, I was more salted caramel. Um, but yeah, I don't discriminate. Like now, I will say this: the decor, I'm not like yeah. maybe mid September. But what throws me off, I'm I'm from New York City, yeah, so yeah, yeah. we're in hoodies by July. Mid- but you know, well, no, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's okay. no, but like mid September, late yeah, yeah. September, whatever. It's not mid September; it's beginning September. Stop lying, but okay. <laughs> I don't know, global warming. We're from Buffalo, so we, we well, like, we like guys, for yeah. May, only Ju- little July, little July, definitely June, <laughs> August, yeah. by the end of August, we're wearing snow pants, but you know. Yeah, like, no, we, yeah, it's a little different for us down, downstate, but um, yeah, like, I feel like to me, that's when you get into like the, the, the joy of fall, of autumn. Um, this North Carolina weather just throws me off. Oh, like, God. we don't... Like, I miss wearing my Uggs. I know that's more winter, but, like, we don't really get winters like that to no, wear no, Uggs. No. I, I, I do appreciate the fact that here, at least, you can wear whatever you want. It doesn't... Like, when I first moved down there, I was like, oh, I went to the mall and I saw somebody with, like... It was... I don't know what the weather was, actually. I can't even remember because it was so many different... Mm-hmm. Such a multiplicity of things. Like, somebody had shorts and Uggs. Somebody had... <laughs> Uh, a hoodie yeah, um, and somebody had a tank top and, and sweatpants like mm-hmm. it was like it was just a lot going on so I was like I was excited because I was like oh you can do whatever yeah yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm good with doing whatever I don't want to be stuck to what protocol says yeah. you were like this is what has to be now in some places like Buffalo you can't do whatever you you gotta do what the weather say because other than that it's just a bad problem yeah, yeah. Um, but I do like that and I think that like in life, when you when you think about just living life and kind of going back to what you um, were talking about, like um, you got to do something. And I think sometimes people don't do something because that's not the protocol. Mm. And, and I think especially with nonprofit organizations, 
they thrive on stepping out and doing something different. It's not the streamlined mm-hmm. approach. Uh, and so it's kind of crazy that this fell into this, like here in North Carolina, we don't do the streamlined approach to what weather mm-hmm. looks like or what we dress yeah. for the weather. You just wear what feels good. Like well, it could be 90 that. degrees today, I got this sweater on, but right. it's gonna be cold in the, in the inside. Right, well yeah, that and it'll be, 50 in the morning and then it's 90 in the afternoon and then you're just kind of like what so you just have to dress for my my thing is wear the layers because you can peel it off yeah, yeah you yeah. can't peel on if you don't have them on so but you're right like with nonprofits, you we're, we're like we step out of the box and, and we don't but i will say like it's interesting because nonprofits are still a business Right. And I think a lot of times people hear the word nonprofit, right. so they assume that no, it's still a business. Um, and so sometimes there is that pressure, or I can speak for myself, mm-hmm. that especially with like social media marketing, um, that you have to keep your you know, social media grid looking a certain way so you can attract certain donors and people. And I think that the more that we focus on that, um, the harder it is to focus on the why. Mm. And so, for me, it's been so. Uh, Rudy Hearts turns one years old at the end of this month. Yes, and congratulations! Thank you. So by the time you're listening to this, it will already be yes, year old. Yes, So September thirtieth is our anniversary, and um, it it has been a journey of trying to figure out what should we be doing. And being very sensitive to what the Lord is calling us to do versus what society is expecting us right. to do. So what's your, like when you say should, what's your guiding light or compass for the should? I mean, God, number one, because mm-hmm. this is an answered prayer. So I don't ever want to get away from what he's calling me to do. Um, but also um, the people that we serve. Mm-hmm. So what is their need? And I think a lot of times we complicate things. Um, I come, I've, I've worked in the nonprofit world pretty much my whole career. Um, and I've come from really large nonprofits and I've come from really small ones. And the common theme that I've seen is it always has to go back to the mission. Mm-hmm. If, and, I've, and I've seen nonprofits where they kind of stray or they stretch themselves too thin. And then they end up having to downsize or come right back to what the mission is. Um, so, like, should be like, who are you serving? Being very clear as to who your people are, and um, just focus on be staying in your lane, so to say. Like, you can still think outside the box and be creative while still staying in your lane. Um, there's enough out there for everybody, and there's there's plenty of need. For, um, for everyone, to serve everyone. But what has God called, you know, you or us to be able, like what is God calling us to do in this season mm-hmm. through the work that he's given us? I think that's powerful because you mentioned the why and that's like something that, that's my guiding compass, like the why. And it's in everything, not like just in business, not in, you know, um, operations things of that and it's just like just in life like what's your why and so one of the things you know and like I'm always like what's your goal like my brother laughs because he's like 
you would cut somebody off mid-conversation and just be like, what's your goal? And I'm like, I just want to know, like, as your goal to argue, because then I can respectfully decline. Mm-hmm. Are you looking for some input? Then I know how to guide this conversation. Or you just want me to listen. Like, what's your goal? And so thinking about the why, like, what's your goal? And so I think about that in parenting. Like, when we're doing things, like, going back to that why. Mm-hmm. Like, for parenting, for me, is... I want to be able to have a long-lasting relationship with my child, my children. One, that they are going to want to come home when they don't live here. Right. Um, and so the way I parent my eight-year-old, you know, I have adult children, I need to be parenting her as the 28-year-old. That's right. Um, and so I think about the you know, conversation we had prior to recording about today, mm-hmm. like, you know, all of the things, like in that moment, her hair wasn't the way that she wanted it to be. So it was like, <laughs> it's the most important thing for her now. Wasn't the most important thing for me. It was the most important thing for me was her getting on the bus on time and going to school right. because there were other things that, you know, for the day to come. But then how I operated myself, and I'm transparent, did I operate myself in the best uh, at that moment? Uh, probably not. Am I reflecting on it now? Yeah. So that I can do it better next time? Of course. Um, but thinking about the why is I want to be able to have a relationship with her. It wasn't that why right then because it's not the big why. Like, why do I need you to just love your hair because I need you to go to school? No. I need to know how I need to operate myself because of the, the future, the big yeah. picture why. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's important just when we're doing things in life. Like, what's our goal? What's your goal here? And, and, and thinking about like the goal does not mean those that immediate thing step to step that the process that's not the goal those are steps to the goal right. but I think like you said sometimes we get so caught in the minutia of things that we forget about the real why mm-hmm. like your right now focus is this but that's a step to the, the big goal yeah yeah and, and it's a question that constantly evolves mm-hmm. and i yeah. think that's yeah. the beauty of nonprofits. so just business in general is that if you're not evolving something's off um and evolution doesn't have to happen in a certain time frame it doesn't have to happen in a really big way it can be little mm-hmm. things and to be honest it I, I in my experience the little things is really what leads to the big things mm-hmm. the, the, the big transformation um and that even in in us being uh, operational for a year, we've evolved in so many different ways, and we've had to be like, okay, let's let's bring it back, let's scale it back. You know, we, um, yeah, as I mentioned, like I just have always had a, a giver, a giving heart, and I see all these opportunities, and I'm like, oh, we can do this, we can. But at the end of the day, what has God called us to do? Right. I mean, I I go back to thinking about Jesus and his ministry. Jesus preached in a three-mile radius. He didn't preach to everyone. He wasn't called. And this is Jesus, right? Savior of the world. Even he, in his three years of ministry, didn't um, preach to everyone. And so I'm, 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 me, you, um, you know, my organization. We're not called to everyone. Right, right. But who are we called to? And how can we serve them the best that we can? You know, we were so proud and we're so grateful of the fact that um, we're ending this fiscal year, this this uh, first year of operation in serving over 1,500 families, children and their families, from children at local CMS, uh, Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools, That's awesome. um, children around the country, 48 states 
have received our boxes. Puerto Rico, Canada, as I mentioned, we've received requests from countries yeah. around the world. Like those numbers are great, and we're—I mean—we're so proud of that, and, and we're so grateful for um, just how it's exploded and how clearly we were onto something. Yeah, like we weren't just kind yeah, of yeah, shooting right. in the dark. Like, <laughs> like there's do a this need. thing. Yeah. But the, but the conversations that are happening for me internally, but also within our team internally is, okay, we, we superseded our goal way before we thought that we would do it. What would it look like if maybe we scaled back? Or what would look like a scale back? And maybe we intentionally serve, I don't know, 250 families. Mm-hmm. But in, for those 250, we put all the resources that we were able to put for yeah. 1500 towards those 250. They're not spreading thin, right? Right. How yeah. trans like how transformative could that be right. for those 250? Because it's never just 250. Right. It's that child, the family around them. It's the ecosystem, right? Yeah. And then it, you know, could we reach maybe their faith organization mm-hmm. around them, their church or whoever it is that they they go to, uh, their teachers, their um, local law enforcement, like. How big could this be? And I think that's a lesson. Starting with that one, that just one. Exactly. I think that's a lesson. A lot of times, um, we, our society craves more and more people, more followers, more all these things. But it's like there's so much that can be done with just one. You think about how intentional Jesus was uh, to meet the Samaritan woman. He Mm -hmm. went out of his way. They took a, a, a road less traveled to meet. That Samaritan woman, and she's she's known as the the first evangelist, right, of of, of Christianity. Um, we think about how God met uh, Paul on the road to Damascus. He went out of his way, even though Paul or Saul at the time yeah. was persecuting Christians. He went out of his way, and and look at how that one seed one. was able to explode, and, and right. he was so pivotal to the expansion of Christianity, right? right. So, um. It's funny because when you asked me before who's Jamira, I was like, oh, I didn't mention I actually have a master's in social work. Right? That's kind of important. Um, but and my my degree is a little different because social work usually people hear social work and they think about that one on one clinical. That wasn't the track I took. <laughs> Although I I've done it and I could do it. Um, I was a I, I took the um, the it's called like like macro social work where I was really looking at community organizing, yeah, yeah. planning, and development. So. Mm-hmm. How can I affect change here that's going to affect the masses? Right. Um, it's going to ripple. Yes, exactly. The ripple effect. And so that's that's just like when I look at themes of my life, like a lot of what I've always done is how can I truly love on this person or show them that God loves them through the work that I'm doing um, and how much more would that be effective yeah. for the yeah. people around them and their children and all that. So that's just a, that's a conversation that's being had right now. Like I said, internally as an organization, is just where, what's next for us. Yeah. Um, and it might not be like that forever. Maybe this is just a season for us to be sure. like, let's really love on X amount of families and people uh, and churches and whoever it is um, until... You know, we have a, a until really, the next, right until the yeah, next. until we have a a, um, a very generous donor. That yeah, we have. it's like <laughs> it's do the thing. You'll have what you need when you need it. Yeah.
do the thing right in front of you mm -hmm. until the next. It's the Kaizen approach. So it's like the little bit counts. Do the thing. That thing. Get that thing. Mm -hmm. um, and in some trainings that I've done in, in you know, building my organization, it was looking at um, the trainer kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of piggybacked off of Jay-Z, 99 Problems. Mm -hmm. And so it was like 99 Problems, pick one. Right. There are a whole host of problems, yeah. but pick one because you, you can't, you can't, you it, it's impossible. Um, I worked for an organization where I was responsible for all 99 problems. And that's just, it's not sustainable, it's mm -hmm. not feasible, it's unrealistic. Yeah. And so being able to scale back and sometimes I think that, that we look at the term scale back or people hear that and think negative. Like, scale back, like, get in your lane, hold your horses, slow your road. Like, that's not what that means. That's really being able to step back and now take a look at the big picture and say, all right, that's not my space because I don't want to show up not well in a space just trying to do the right thing. Um, I went through um, Leadership Charlotte and one of the major things that they do that I, well, I don't know, it's may have been their intentionality, but one thing that I got out of it, they expose you to different spaces around Charlotte. So justice, government, education, all of the things so that you can be able to see the 99 problems, but pick one. Mm -hmm. And so, because you don't wanna be in a space just to take space. You wanna be in a space where you are able to serve that space and leave it better than what you entered it or add to you know the growth and development of areas i think that that was that's great and even our children's lives like they're not our children for the long haul you know and so being able to show up well in that space and intentionalize your services um for for young i think that wow 99 problems <laughs> yeah no and you said something earlier about how you parent your kids um, you parent the eight-year-old, but you're also thinking about the 28-year-old. That's something that I personally um, also think about, mm -hmm. um, especially when it comes We've to... We've talked like, about that. Before. Yeah, when it comes to serving um, my son and um, thinking about him not just as the three-year-old, but thinking about how society is going to receive him as mm -hmm. the 13-year-old, as the 23-year-old. Um, my eyes are getting misty right now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I think about my son, it just—I mean—that's just to show like how much I yeah. just—I love him, you know. And, no, for sure. Um, but raising a raising a child um, of color in in this world that is deemed different, mm -hmm. um, and you know, right now he's considered nonverbal. I like to think of him as uh, preverbal, but he has other means of communication. But it's still different, right? Mm -hmm. Different than the social norms that we have. What is life going to be like him? And so, you know, I know the word, I know Matthew 6 says, you know, don't worry about tomorrow. You know, you have enough problems today. Like, don't worry about that. God is in control, essentially. Um, but I'm also human. And I yeah, can't yeah, help sure. to think about the decisions that I make today, how is that going to impact him when he shows up in the world as a 13-year-old? You know, my, my son's a 
big three-year-old, right? Is he going to be six foot tall at 13? Mine was. And then, like, I, I've seen it. It's possible. And it's probably likely. He was five-something, but tall. Know, six two now. He's not looking like a typical 13-year-old, yeah. even when he is 23, 33. Like, how is the world going to receive him? And how is he going to be able to show up? And obviously, like, yes, he's three, and so... I have to be mindful to teach to his understanding mm-hmm. today. But um, I think what this journey of just one parenting and, and two parenting a child with a disability is understanding who he is yeah. and how can I lean into his strengths to be able to bring one, bring the best out of him, build that confidence in him. And in that, then also kind of teach him about the world around him. Because one of the things about many autistic children is that, gosh, they're sweet as pie. Like, they probably have never done a bad thing to any single person, Mm -hmm. yet they receive so much negativity, right? And how, how do I teach him to process all that? How do I teach him that... It feels very personal, but it's likely not personal. Mm-hmm, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's some kind of brokenness in those people, yeah. um, and 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 to still be able to move about in the world, um, knowing that God still has a purpose for you. Yeah. You know, and that's heavy stuff, right? Yeah, like I, sure. I don't have all the answers. Again, I've only been in this three years. <laughs> right, right. I don't know much, but these are the things that I grapple with. Right? How am I going to be able to teach him? But at the end of the day, like. I know deep down, when that time comes, God is God is going to show us. God is going to prepare my husband and I to be able to grapple with those things. Um, but yeah, like even just education. Yeah. Like I know my son, and granted, he will likely change and he's going to grow and he's going to mature in different ways. But he likely will not be his best self in a, a traditional education setting. So what does that look like, right? Like, how do we shape our lives? How do we, you know, do I homeschool him? Do, mm-hmm. you know, is, is, you know, what are the other options out there? Because at the end of the day, like knowing your child and, and being able to set them up for success, regardless of what their abilities is, is so important. Yeah, I, I, I've said this before. You've heard me say this, just being an educator. Um, and in the space of education, is counseling, teaching, administration all of the, the things um that it, it and, ex, and even not even more so but especially as we have come through the pandemic mm-hmm. i mean and when i say through the pandemic i mean like the remote learning the the exclusion of surrounding of people and things of that nature and being secluded um how the, that's evolution mm-hmm. um environments require evolution and so that environmental change mm-hmm. has required biological evolutions because your brain started to process and, and evolve differently um the way we interact even being able to do social media such the way that we do it now um, meetings those types of things spaces all of those things have happened um, but it is my my willful my willing not the strong words my desire my prayer um any little small thing that I could do to help under the understanding with um, conforming the environment to the 
people in it mm -hmm. and not the people to the environment more so when we talk about education yeah. and so yeah the way I learned and, and, and some people will say things like you turned out well you're successful <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah thank you appreciate mm -hmm. that and but the, I learned when there wasn't computers mm -hmm. I learned when there was only chalkboard mine I hate chalkboards but mm -hmm. those type of ways but things evolved and so the learning position is no longer it's not learning position for everyone. Right. Um, we have to be able to say, okay, that changed, and it's going to change for this, and it's going to change for that. I was laughing thinking about computers. My daughter and I were doing a, a morning devotion, and it said, "What is something that you really, that you wished to God for?" You know, something crazy. Mm -hmm. And I remember being, I had to be like maybe nine, ten, and growing up in the projects. Mm -hmm. And I remember closing my door really tight sitting outside the door and praying hard, like, God, please, please, that's my hard prayer. Like, God was a magician for a computer. And then I open the door, and I'm like, okay, it's not there. And I go up, and I, I didn't walk away like, oh, God. I'll just do it again. I'm like, okay, just gotta keep praying. Gotta pray harder. Gotta pray harder for a computer, for a computer. And like, open the door. And I, so, <laughs> like, oh, it's not there. And I, and I laughed with my daughter, because I'm like, you know, my first laptop that I bought, my son was one, and so that was 23 years ago. He's 24 wow. now. And that was a Dell laptop. I was like, this yes, thick. Dell. That was my first laptop. <laughs> I got my credit yes, and everything. Yes. I was 20 years old, I got my credit. I got my little laptop. Yes. I was excited about yes. that thing. But that, like, and so that speaks to the evolution. And being the mention that the laptop was this big. Now you can get them this small. Now I'm having an iPad. Mm -hmm. If phone is a computer, those types of things, all of those things have evolved. So why do we not think? that the spaces that we provide learning for people mm -hmm. in general mm -hmm. um, doesn't need to evolve. Yeah. Like that is, that's important. So I'm going to turn the interview off over to you now. Oh, jeez. <laughs> How the tables have turned. Because I, this is something I grapple with just, um, like I said, I have, uh, my career has been a nonprofit, but I was an educator as well within the nonprofit space. And um, I taught mostly adults, but also young adults, and I got to see the differences in learning and how it's changed and how um, the spaces, like, there, there, there is going to be a reckoning in the education system. Like, it's already It's already here. happening, yeah. And I mean, it, the shaking up right now is the lack of teachers. Right. At, at, at what point are you going to be like, oh, we can't teach without teachers? Right, right. And... Uh, and and the, the special education space is feeling it especially. Yeah, there's a, um, they're offering high-level bonuses mm -hmm. just for special education. Yep, yep, I've seen that. And so, I, I, I guess, you know, my, my question that I've been grappling with, just thinking about, again, as I'm getting ready to potentially prepare my son for kindergarten, um, where, like, where does it, like, what can we do as civilians or as parents or whatever it is uh, community members like to encourage or to see to it that this does, doesn't become a complete like it doesn't just fall apart and then we're having to be more reactive like how can we be yeah, proactive yeah, yeah does that make sense no that makes that makes perfect sense and uh, it's funny that you said that because my 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 point that I was going to make to you when you talked about um thinking about parenting your child as the 18-year-old, as the 20-year-old, as the, you know, um, some of that also comes with how you behave in spaces that do not directly involve your child, but will mm -hmm. indirectly 
um, involve your child and so thinking about the relationship component between you and your husband, thinking about the relationships that you have with others, thinking about relationships that you build in the community mm. and recognizing that, again, that ties an approach, like the little thing, although we don't see, so I was reading Atomic Habits, although we don't see the incremental things that we're doing, how massive and macro those things are, um, they do. Okay. And so when we think about the littlest things that we look at them to be little, that we do with our children and how we show up amongst other people, um, that's what happens. So I think about just something so silly, again, this intentionality of things like, um, and it, this is not directly, but it's just kind of giving a point, like when you go to the grocery store and you have your cart and everything, and then you go to the car and you like, well, I walk all through the grocery store, but taking these two steps to put the cart back is too much. <laughs> and, and, you, and, and sometimes, you know, and I've done it. I'm not even gonna say I'm not guilty. Like I'm like, mm, I'm just gonna leave it over here. Right. I don't feel like walking all the way over there. But if you take a step back, scale back for a moment and think about, is there potentially someone in this parking lot that could see me, see me later? Mm -hmm. That would be a person that would be involved in my child's life or my life for the betterment, how would I behave if I knew they saw me? Yeah. Maybe I should put this cart back because I never know who's looking at me. Mm -hmm. I never know when that will show up well. I think about mm -hmm. that too when I am in spaces and I'm frustrated with my child because of a behavior aspect or, or just the day. I think about the integrity, the integrous approach, like how do I need to show up for her in this moment that's gonna affect her, but who else sees that could be in relationship with her? So if, if I'm yelling at her and someone else sees that and she goes to school, that's the way mom treats her, so we'll yell too. Right. I'm so glad you said that because even with our son at home, and this is something my husband and I, and we're not perfect, you know, yeah, this yeah. whole gentle parenting approach, we do our best. You know, but how do you gentle parent kids when the kids ain't gentle behavior? But you know, <laughs> that's what I'm just saying. Right. <laughs> Because these, these, let me tell you, these pandemic toddlers, That's, I've said it before, you, 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 you will hear it on another talk where I've said, just when you said your kid is never in, that's when they show up, never in the never way yes. that they never, never before. Yes, <laughs> they are, they are straight savage. I mean, they're great, but they are savage. But, you know, I, I am very, I try to be as mindful as possible mm -hmm. on how I treat my son. Because, especially in our situation where he can't necessarily tell me if someone yeah, mistreats yeah. him, I want him to be able to tell the difference. If I rough him up, or if I speak to him in a certain way when he's doing something that I'm not happy about, then he might be able to like internalize that as like, oh, this is what people who love me do. Right. This is what people who care for me do. Right. And so then he'll bring that to school if God forbid something does like that happens to him in the community, then he'll think yeah. that this is okay. Yeah. And I have to be like, I think parents of children who have any kind of issue with communicating, whether it's just emotionally mm -hmm. or, or physically, um, we have to be even extra intentional about yeah. that because yeah. it starts at home. You're right. It starts with the relationships at home, building that trust and, um, and even what our kids are seeing. Yeah. Like, and they, they, we, we forget sometimes that perception is reality, mm -hmm. one. Um, people conduct, children conduct their behavior, they learn it yeah. based on what they see others do in schools, at home, friends. 
they you, we put them in friend spaces so they can understand how to interact with their peers and things of that nature so they behave based on what they see right. and and their perception is their reality sometimes mm -hmm. as well and so what they see and they perceive it to be then they will behave in that way and this is by no means saying like you have to operate perfect but i do believe that you should operate with reflection right and right. so that's the important um component of it yeah and i mean you know modeling the behavior as to what you would hope that your child would um accept or respond to or whatever it is um that's good because you know i just again not seeing what's happening and and i have i do have the privilege of, of knowing educators so I kind of see it from the parent perspective, the community member perspective, but also from the admin side of things. Yeah. Um, of just how how bad it is right now, you know, and it's just sad to me. I grew up in the public school system in New York City. Uh, I was blessed to have gone to schools that um, maybe they weren't the most uh, resourced, but I turned out okay. Yeah, yeah. After <laughs> by the grace of God, we made it through and. I was um, I was in honor classes. I think that had a lot to do with it. That that I just um, was able to make it into those classes. So the social capital was different there, right? I got to meet friends that were probably from more well-off families. Like like the fact that a lot of the people, especially in my high school years, that I went to school with, um, their parents were doctors and lawyers yeah. and civil servants and all these things that they still trusted their kids going into public school clearly the schools were good enough right yeah, yeah versus when you think about nowadays it's like even just you know kind of everyday people are right. like my kid is going to a charter school or private school right we're not going to and i think the, i think one of the biggest things too is again the access the mm -hmm. social media access so now social media has opened up for you to see everything and then also perception yeah. your perception is reality so what you see on social media you perceive that to be the reality until you it's like i had an opportunity to visit a high school here in in charlotte that i had never visited visited before i had a notion of what public schools were because of what i worked and the things i saw and things i heard but i never saw it mm. for myself and i went and i was floored at the fact that i was like is amazing <laughs> like you know but i would have never been in that space to know that it was amazing and so yes there are multiple of choices and reasons why you should choose certain schools but investigating that and of course i've worked in in both um but that's going to be the investigation so someone's experience may be like this is not great because it didn't work for my kid or it didn't work for this or their overarching um, vision theme operation doesn't work for me doesn't mean it's a bad place. It just is not the right one for you. So going back to what we said about like um, operations, organizations, nonprofit operating in that space and doing the thing, being intentional for the thing that you're doing, mm -hmm. we have to understand that everyone, it, there's differentiation of people, yeah. not just of learning. Mm -hmm. And so that space, if someone comes and says, I wouldn't send my kid there, they're no good. Uh, okay, what, what made them not good for you? Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to go see, and then I can say, okay, well, those same things aren't good for me, or actually what they're doing does work for me, you know? Right, right. Um, yeah. But, yeah, this has been phenomenal. Um, I really, really appreciate this time. I always love talking to you because you've opened my brain up to so many different things, especially like neurodivergence, and took me down that path of understanding um, that a little bit better and helping me to understand my own daughter 
um, who I've had the pleasure of being her mom for eight less years, so it's been, uh, and, and more to come. Um, but I, I really appreciate your, um, your knowledge, your wisdom, um, your biblical perspective, your heart. Um, is there anything that you want to leave us off with for maybe just the one? Um, whatever it is that keeps you up at night that you can't go a day without thinking about, lean into that. Mm. Whether it's uh, a desire of your heart or uh, maybe a person that you think, lean into that. Lean into the why and keep asking questions. I think yeah. that's where we get to really, that's where the evolution comes in is when we eat ask questions we find out the root cause of, of why this is why i'm thinking about this why you know um and there's a purpose behind that yeah so that's what i got